Hello, hello, hello. I am your Ted Allen, hostess with the mostess, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood. To lick it right, lick it good, show you how to... Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. goosebumps. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I am your hostess with the most is Munoz. And how y'all doing out there? How are you all doing? I'm serious because... Woo! Ish is crazy out there, and I hope we are all finding times of meditation and peace and finding ways to bring some joy into our lives through the mess that the world is today. Um, and yeah, that's the message for right now. I'm keeping it short and sweet on on this episode because I really want to get to the getting on. The other thing I want to mention before we get to today's guest is that it's a uh, shout out to Cesar Munoz, my older brother. It was just his birthday. And um, yeah, shout out to you. I never really talk about him on this podcast, I realized four years later. But I love you and it's your birthday and you don't listen anyway. So. <laughs> But at least I have receipts, right? That's what it's all about for the gays. It's all about the receipts. Listen, folks, I am so excited about today's guest. He, I actually have known this person for quite some time, but not at the same time. It's a really interesting journey that we have been on together and not together. And so without further ado, please help me welcome the one, the only, Lucas Volger. Hi, how are you? Hi, thank you. I'm so good. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. And I can't wait to tell the listeners a little bit of our story. But first and foremost, I cannot thank you enough for giving me of your time today. And it's such an honor and a pleasure to have you finally face to face. I know. I was just thinking that um, right when I was getting set up, I was like, "Did we have we met in person before? I don't know if we have. We we this have, is the closest we've come to an this IRL, is the, you know. <laughs> but like Karen Carpenter once said, "We've only just begun." That's true. <laughs> 
I don't even know what that means. But Lucas, before we get anywhere in the grand tradition of In Yo Mouth, I need to wish you happy National Meatball Day. Oh, it's National Meatball Day. Yeah. Thank you. That's exciting. Yeah. Right? Now let's get into it. Let's get into the balls of it all, <laughs> if we may. <laughs> are we, uh, are, now I know that you are not strictly vegetarian, but you eat mainly vegetarian. But yeah. are, if you were to make a meatball, is it a, is it a veal pork beef? What's the, what's the ratios here? What are we doing? Ooh, I mean, I've been making, can I? Can it be a veggie veggie ball? That's like my. I, I feel could, like the. It could be whatever ball pleases you. Okay, I'm I'm gonna go with a, <laughs> a veggie ball, and the one that's coming to mind is like a. I used to have like this like veggie burger business, and I made them out of like carrots and parsnips and almonds, and that was really good. Um, that's there's there's my ball. Yeah, <laughs> ball singular. Yeah, I love yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? It's really, really funny that you went a veggie route because I, I didn't even really think about it. But, like, obviously there's, like, the Impossible Meatballs, too. And and you also, I know and have seen firsthand that you, you've had this long, like, you know, veggie burger business as well. So, yeah, I, I could be here for a veggie ball, right? Why I mean, it just, it just used to be so much of my life, like, that's what I... That's that's where that's where any any kind of ground meat thing I'm like oh okay there's there's like a veggie counterpart to that and must be an yeah. interesting way to to make a veggie meatball yeah and yeah there definitely yeah is. yeah uh huh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a fan <laughs> of the turkey balls right all you know what as long as any ball I'm a fan of any ball <laughs> the shape is all that matters and the same thing is true of veggie burgers people used to like get get upset about veggie burgers they're like oh that's not a that's not a burger but um, if it was made of shrimp or if it was made of like turkey or fish or whatever, nobody seems to matter about the, like the terminology, but when it's made of veggies, somehow people like start to take issue with it. But similar yeah. to burgers, balls, it's just the shape that matters. Listen, Lucas, here on In Your Mouth, we don't discriminate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You're in luck because today's a double day. It's also National Crab Day. Ooh, that's a fun one. Yeah, right? Uh, and I hope they're talking about, like, crabs, the sea animals, uh, as opposed to... The good to, ones, yeah. Right? The good crabs <laughs> as opposed to the bad crabs. <laughs> yeah. I actually can't wait till summer, and um, hopefully I get to, a chance to head out to the Cape and, you know, have all the seafood and whatnot. I, I am here for both of these days. Uh, wouldn't you say these are, you got two good days. This was a, a, I would say so. It's funny that they're happening right now. Cause I don't think of like for a seasonal, I, I don't know. It's, I don't even actually know what the season of crab is, but is it, is today crab day because it's in season right now? Or is it just crab day randomly? Or I, I, don't, I don't know, know. who makes the rules, but I would love to find this person yeah. <laughs> and have a full conversation about how was this decided upon? Or did yeah. you just, or or did you just like throw things out on a table and wherever it landed on the calendar, that was the day? That's, that's my guess. It hadn't been taken. And so like the, the crab uh, coalition was like, we got to get a crab day on the calendar. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, in your mouth, listeners, whether you like balls or you, or you have crabs or, <laughs> or uh, you know what? 
This one's for the, the all the vegetarians out there, right? <laughs> but we support you no matter what you celebrate is what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> And moving right along to this day in gay history, folks, In Your Mouth has always been a break from the news cycle, but it would be a big disservice to everything that I stand for if I just don't at least mention it and, um, you know, give tribute to, obviously, every week I give tribute to our LGBTQ ancestors, but today... In gay history, I want to dedicate it to all of our LGBTQ plus family in the Ukraine fighting for their lives and their homes. We stand with you. We are with you. And, you know, um, I'm seeing a lot of what I would call performative posting, Lucas, out there. And I I urge y'all out there, if you can, even if it's a dollar, I am a big advocate that one person can really make a difference. Please find some place to put your efforts to good use to or your money. And like the Be Strong campaign uh, in your mouth listeners, I know you know out there that I'm a big Bethany Housewives fan. Bethany Frankel does a lot of great work with her Be Strong campaign. So whether you like her or not, she's doing the work on the ground. Uh, Chef Jose Andres with World Central Kitchen. I think the Rainbow, is it the Rainbow Railroad? I, I can't imagine they're not doing something as well. You know, um, times are hard. And for maybe as not so great as some people have it out there we have to kind of think of the bigger picture here yeah you know wouldn't absolutely you also in florida and texas all these poor trans youth that are being persecuted by the by their states a lot of grassroots orgs down there to anyway there's yes. so many options if you want to share some of your resources Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And that's where I'm going to leave today in gay history. But I really want to get to the getting on because I'm, I'm actually super excited to have you here, Lucas. In your mouth, listeners, if you don't know, and you probably already do, Lucas Volker is a writer, recipe developer, and editor. He is the author of five cookbooks. Did you hear that? Five. That focus on fun, weeknight-friendly vegetarian cooking, including snacks for dinner, which will be released in May. Other other books include Start Simple, Bowl, and Veggie Burgers Every Which Way. He also co-founded and edited the queer food journal Jari and founded Made by Lucas, a line of fresh premium veggie burger mixes sold throughout the tri-state area. He lives in Brooklyn, just in case you wanted to know. Hi and welcome. But I kind of want to start um, that uh, and tell the kids out there that we have kind of been side by side and crossing paths for a very, very long time. Yeah. You know, um, since I had my first food blog, uh, may she rest in peace, right, to I don't and I can't remember quite how it happened, but I feel like at least you've been on my radar at every at every turn and every new thing that you're doing. And I'm always on the up and up and like just like kind of in the background being like, what's he up to now, right? <laughs> and it's and it's really been a joy and such um, a pleasure to see you grow and to see you kind of do all these really amazing things. Oh, thank you. That's, so, I mean, the same is said, I say the same to you. It's, I, I feel like uh, my, my involvement with Jari just made me realize like how vast this, you know, we know that like the LGBT communities, plural, it's like no monolith, but then, 
even within like the the food of you know the food circles within the the queer food circles is also not a monolith and there's so many different things that people are doing and so many different ways people are exploring the um you know building community and looking you know exploring history and exploring like ways of expressing queerness through food it's it's really kind of crazy how much is going on and it's it's impossible to even uh, track all of it, to be honest. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm certainly trying via this podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's the, which, which came to me, I guess, at this point, right? Because <laughs> yeah. this started out a very different. But it's really interesting. It was so, I mean, I couldn't even put a year on it, but it had to be any time between 2009 and 2012 that, like, we've kind of first crossed paths. And it's just... And back then, it was very few of us out there, you know, kind of on this, like, queer food journey, but not necessarily leading with that. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, at that time, I, I didn't really start thinking about it in... You, you've you been doing this longer than me, I think, in um, 2009, because we started in 2015. We were thinking about it in 2014. But and I think in the 2009 to 2012 era, that's when I, I became sort of become aware that there was this thing happening, but it was sort of like behind the scenes. It wasn't like, it wasn't advertised. And I don't know, it wasn't, you certainly weren't like framing yourself as like, I'm an out and proud queer chef or like cookbook author or whatever. It was yeah. just, but you, I was becoming aware that like these, the food world was so infiltrated with queer people (laughs) and that it was a really like safe and like super creative place. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't necessarily know if we can call it safe, um, but that's a larger conversation because I, I hear stories every week, right? Some great, some, some indifferent and others, you know, crazy just about what, what the behind the scenes in the kitchen and the catering and, and the rest of that, uh, you know. Yeah, that's true. I guess hyper- I'm thinking more of like food, the styling media, the like, just the, the way in which gay people, especially gay men, have been drawn to this industry in such yeah, a way I mean, that... but we've been here. We've yeah, been exactly. Here. We've been yeah. here since the beginning. And it's just, I love, I, I really, really love at least the trajectory that I've been on because I, since the beginning, I have been really blessed, right? Because at first it was all about me and now it's transitioned into the this form of the media where it's kind of a platform for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And But even from the beginning, I've cast this like really large web of really fabulous food people you being one of them and you know it it's so it's so great and so fun to walk into that store the first time i forget where oh it was when gotham west had their little um market and your veggie burgers were in there i think that's where oh I yeah the brooklyn them. kitchen yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> they look at that, that. Was kind of a short-lived um what, what would we call them? Like a whole uh, stockist. That was the word the, in the grocery stockist. lingo. <laughs> oh, stop. Well, nobody yeah. knows what that is. <laughs> well, it's it just was, like a, a it grocery was a store fan- that carries your product. Is it, was, or it was a fancy-ass grocery store. Yeah. And your mouth listeners, real fancy in this real fancy building down on the West Side Highway here in Midtown Manhattan called uh, Gotham West. And that it's like one of those like cafeteria-esque sort of fancy cafeteria communal eating Food hall. Food hall. There, that's With the the, um, Ivan Ramen was in there too, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, I remember mm-hmm. that. 
But let's, now that we got that covered, let's go back and start at the very beginning, uh, where I always love to start, a la Julie Andrews, and ask you, where did this love and this penchant for food come from? It was, um, I wish I had like an easy answer for this. I think it was, my my job in high school, I worked at a bakery that was uh, like a bread bakery, and they did sort of simple pastry like cookies and muffins and breakfast pastry type stuff um and i was hired there to work the counter and assemble the sandwiches but then sort of moved into production and i really loved um i just loved doing that work i loved like the one pound blocks of butter and the you know the scale of everything and i loved like the repetition and really like developing a feel for things rather than just going by the recipe um, and that, you know, I'd always like enjoyed sort of like cooking with my mom and I'd always loved cookbooks, but like getting my hands like involved in it in that way, just really clicked for me. And, um, and then I kept doing that through college. I worked, um, in a restaurant here on the Upper East Side, uh, called the Blue Grotto, where I was a prep cook and line cook and was, uh, baking for them as well. And it was just like, uh, I just really enjoyed the cooking. Um, uh, did you go to school? I for- didn't do cook. I didn't Holiday. do culinary school. No, I just no. worked as I, I went to Hunter here in the city. Yeah. Um, and and then, you know, it sort of got to be clear that, like, I wasn't make I was going to make enough money. The conditions were kind of bad. The hours were bad. The conditions were, you know, the conditions being like being in this dark basement and then working when everybody else is off and never getting to see my friends. And mm-hmm. so I sort of, I, I didn't seem like a viable path Um but that I that was so foundational for me, like learning to cook in that way, even like learning to like mise and you know, in the on the line and think rather than like the micro of an ingredient, instead you like you prep all these building blocks of, of each dish and then sort of assemble them on the line and I don't know, that and then the practice of the repetition. I think that's what really made me love like love cooking really, you know, cooking as a lifestyle and cooking as a as a, as a real habit and something that I can like improve on and learn more about constantly. Um, yeah, I would say like, I think the professional kitchen is, is what I would, what, what sparked the interest. Yeah. And I can absolutely agree and relate to that because, you know, being a big old musical theater queen from the early two thousands throughout, right. Most of the time, uh, as you're pounding the pavement, you're also working, crazy hours front of the house in a restaurant and growing up my mother I owe it shout out to you mama Gladys right can cook the house down but she has her staples in her Puerto Rican kitchen and it's this and then there's like uh, a killer lasagna a meat lasagna and so on and so forth and so seeing the passion behind the line just as a waiter and and have getting to taste and experience that in a different way, uh, in in a very similar way to you, sparked that that love for me too. Because I'd always I'd always come back and be like, how did they do that? Like how did how did that work? What are they doing over there? And and then and then um, oh my god, sorry, <laughs> I'm so scatterbrained that I was thinking of that Wendy Williams. Have you ever seen that Wendy Williams clip? I forget what it's in reference to, and she's in her office and she's like. What am I going to wear? What am I going to say? <laughs> what am I going to do? Yes, I have <laughs> <And>, seen that. <laughs> and as I was speaking, I, I was like, do I sound like that clip right now? <laughs> no, you definitely don't. 
oh my goodness, off the rails. Sorry. And so I'd go home and I'd recreate and then I'd come back with questions and it'd be this volley. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, unbeknownst to me, I had an arsenal of, you know, cooking under my belt without even like trying. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? You know what I mean? Did you have a moment where things like clicked and you're like, oh, I can actually, I feel like I could reverse engineer a recipe or I can sort of like take this, I could take this sort of like base knowledge and then make it my own, you know? You know what? It was, it's a tribute to, I went to school for classical voice and, but the only way I could go to school to sing was to tell my mother I was going to school to be a music teacher, right? So I have a degree in music education and through a really incredible school. And they, um, it wasn't until then that I learned about the different ways people learn and I'm a kinesthetic learner. Like, I learn through doing. Like, mm. I just have to do it. And so in doing, like, fast forward through the restaurants and going home to recreate, and in doing, I was like, oh, I know how to do this. So there, were necess- there wasn't necessarily an aha moment or, like, a moment where I realized this. But because I was doing it, there was a no fear factor in the when I went to think about, oh, how would I make this? I would be like, oh, well, I've already done X, Y, and Z. And this is, it's just rearranging the math, yeah. you know, to do the whatever else I want to create. You know, does that yeah. make sense to you? makes sense. I kind of had the same thing where I, uh, after my mom died, um, I went, I uh, got a little bit of money from her like life insurance settlement or whatever that was, but, um, and used that to go spend a, two months in Europe and I was living in Paris and she had always made beef bourguignon and she had this recipe that was like, you know, the beef bourguignon is the special occasion thing. And then I remember like going to the market and realizing like, Oh, you know what? I think I could make that without a recipe. And like, not to say, which is like, I had the recipe memorized, but I had like, sort of like the, um, I understood how it worked and so I could make my own broth and I could work with these things over here and you try this other and it just I feel like that was this like oh recipes are like uh, you know they're they're a guide and it really all comes down to like technique and once you understand technique a recipe becomes like your your expression of the technique if that makes sense yeah absolutely absolutely and you know I've just been because I feel like the food world has gotten um, it's changing again, right? Back to back to sim- uh, simpler things and messier things, and and the things that we're being fed aren't as clean. And and I'm not speaking about you because your website and your recipes are stunning. Right? Oh, I do want to know who you are speaking about, though. <laughs> go 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 check it out. But no, like all the all the creators out there, all the big creators out there are throwing things and. And it's the what I what I call and no shade Rachel Ray all tea no shade Rachel Ray but it's the Rachel Ray effect you know in the sense of it's not necessarily measuring it's not it's not it's a rough chop it's mm. it's you know it's a glug yeah yeah it's a glug it's a it's a throw it's a oh I spilled it whatever you know. Uh, it's a, oh, if you added a little too much lemon, uh, a lemon, whatever, you know what I mean? And so, <laughs> um, I, I feel like we're seeing more of that and, and less finesse being fed to the home cook. 
Yeah, I can see that. It does seem like there's been, and maybe this is also like the result of the never-ending tumult of the past several years, but like people just want comfort. And so that the nostalgia is playing a big part in these things and people don't really want, you know, like I, I even, I feel this way. It's like, I want something I know is going to be really good and nourish me and satisfy me and make me feel comfortable. And so I'm going for like the mac and cheese or whatever that the recipe that I know it really works. I feel like this was, Eric Kim had like the Velveeta mac and cheese in the New York Times and I and it was like the most Kim. popular Shout recipe and for it was one of the most popular recipes of the year which I feel is so testament to the the times that we're living in that it's that rather than something you know that is has all these yeah. bells and whistles and like sort of new ideas in there it's like we, we want the familiarity yeah um and we I was just talking last week to chef Cicely Sierra about mm-hmm. um cooking competitions and how I don't know if you've ever been approached but how the the number one question they always ask you is what's your culinary point of view and one thing that I you just reminded me of that I've always been on a soapbox of is taking it you know uh, you can do it too it's this it's the simplicity it doesn't necessarily have to be so so complicated and so you know finessed it can be if that's what you want but like yeah, if I can do it here, you can do it anywhere. And it's just, it's it's this, it's this comfort in in the uncomplicated. Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, totally. You know, um, but I kind of want to move on. This is great, right? But we can be here. Yeah, I feel like you and I are going to be here for the next five hours <laughs> on this topic. I want to move on to the magazine, the burgers, and how that all came about. You know. Like, what made you one day, you know, roll out of bed and say, you know what, I'm just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to market veggie burgers and then create this whole uh, magazine, queer magazine, you know, based around food and culture? Well, the veggie burger, so I, my first cookbook was focused on veggie burgers. And that was a result. I worked in book publishing for about 10 years and got to know um, an editor who went off to start his own publishing in print. And he actually approached me and said, hey, do you know anybody who could write a cookbook about veggie burgers? And at the time I was eating a lot of them and cooking a lot of them. And I was like, oh, I'll think about it. And then once I started thinking about it, I was like, you know what, I feel like I could actually do that. I've been active on the internet, developing recipes for my like old Blogspot blogs and, and that kind of thing. Yep. Um, and so I put together a proposal and sent it to him and I had uh, spent enough time in book publishing to know that so many cookbooks are just a flash in the pan. And I actually fully expected that to be the case for me. I was like, okay, this will be something to do as I sort of transition out of book publishing. And I was cooking and I think I was actually waiting tables at the time too. And also I'm doing a little bit of like personal chefing. Um, And I was like, this will just kind of help me get through this period until I figure out what my next career is going to be. And then I ended up just loving the process so much of uh, recipe development. And um, and I always talk about like the going from laptop to stovetop to laptop to stovetop. And so like taking notes as you cook. And I really love doing that. Um, And so and the book ended up being um, enough of a success that I was able to write another one. But in the process of writing that book, I ate every single, you know, I started out the book when I was writing it, eating all the frozen veggie burgers at the grocery store and sort of taking notes on them. And then I developed all my recipes and and, um, 
and polish them off. And then at the end of that process, I was like, okay, let's go back and try these frozen veggie burgers again. And it was like kind of shocking how bad the frozen ones tasted after I had like been living in this world of like, okay, these are all homemade. They're either very vegetable oriented. None of them are really trying to like taste like meat or anything like that. Um, And so I felt like there was an opportunity there to sort of create something different in the veggie burger space. And that's what led to that, that business. Um, And it was, it was like a fresh um, veggie burger mix. So you could like scoop the mixture I'm explaining to a listener. I know yeah, you, you're yeah. familiar. You can scoop it out of the uh, container and then shape them into patties or shape them into little meatballs or whatever. But you could treat this like veggie mixture as if it was ground meat. Um, and it was fresh. I sourced all the local, all the vegetables from the Hudson Valley area. Um, there, it was a, a vegan product as well. Um, sold it throughout um, like the Whole Foods, the tri-state region. Um, but it was an incredibly difficult business and it made me realize like why a lot of the veggie burgers that are on the market are the way they are. They're, you know, first off, they're in the frozen food section. Second off, they're I'd sort of like they're engineered in a lab, you know, that, to make yeah. them, you know, to withstand what happens when food goes through the freezer and also just make them shelf stable, which is what grocery stores need. And so it was an incredibly uh, enriching and wonderful experience, but it was not something that I, the the compromises I was going to have to make to the product in order to make it actually viable were um, not anything I wanted to do. And so then I switched back to focusing on my writing and editing and that stuff. And then Jari was like kind of just a completely separate but parallel thing. Um, I've always kind of, thought of myself as a little bit on the fringe of the food world, even though I've been doing food for a long time. Um, I never was like, I, I had short stints in, in the restaurants and when I was pretty young. And then um, my cookbook stuff has always been a little bit on the on the indie side and, and pretty small, like I worked with a small publisher. Um, and, you know, it wasn't by any means like, I, you know, I've, I've now been doing this long enough that I've, I'm feeling some like momentum on on uh, on the work that I've been doing, but I've always felt like a little bit of an outsider, even in the cookbook space, and um, and then even just in the in the food world, it's it's like so focused on women and moms, and and so being in this space is also I felt a little bit of an outsider there, and trying to like even though those are people who buy all the cookbooks, and certainly I do connect with them on some level, but. Um, never really being one of them. And so I, I, I've always thought a little bit about the outsiderness of the work that I've been doing and and then wondered how that ties to like being gay and like and being queer. And, and then at some point, I don't know if this is completely related to that, but there was this article in The Cut or in New York Magazine um, where the writer Jessica Pressler um, coined the term duty, which is a dude foodie. And it was, I think this was the time when people were like bringing sous vide machines into their kitchens and mm-hmm. this like straight men were just like kind of over the top, like pig over the, whatever it's called, you know, cook, doing all this kind of bombastic over the top cooking, but they don't know how to scramble eggs or like make a vinaigrette. It's, and so that's like duty cooking. And it was such a funny article. And I I think it it, it, uh, <laughs> it really elicited a strong reaction from a lot of people. And I just thought it was so funny. And then I was like, well, that's not really how gay men cook as far as, I mean, gay men, certainly there's something showy to what they do, but they know their technique and like they know their references and they're pretty like schooled in it. And so it made me wonder, if, it just made, it planted the seed of a food magazine dedicated to, uh, at, at the time, I 
was only really thinking about focusing on gay men. And I wanted to call it goody, <laughs> like <laughs> gay foodie rather than duty. Um, but that didn't take off. But then I sort of, the idea was in my mind and then I ended up meeting Alex and Steve who co-founded the magazine together and they were interested in being involved and then it sort of took off from there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, how funny that you said uh, duty. Because um, I remember, I, I, <laughs> I remember that article, and it's kind of, it's it's interesting hearing this story, because it's kind of the way this in your mouth of uh, this podcast grew into its own. Because since the beginning, I've been screaming at the top of my lungs that there's an entire queer food movement happening that no one's paying that no one's paying attention to that now. Right. There are a few more people paying attention to and and still much like you with with Jari, you know, giving space to the the queer community in food like this. This podcast like kind of resonates in the same way of of hearing these stories that aren't necessarily hyper masculine, aren't like Gordon Ramsay. Right. Led kitchens yeah. and and yeah. things like that. I mean. You know, I'm sure he's a lovely man, but he's made a bajillion dollars off of toxic kitchen culture. You know, yeah, totally. Uh, or that, or even like the Anthony Bourdain thing would, yeah. or that that personality really representing like what it means to be like male. No. And, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, uh, and there's over. I mean, there's there has to be over 200 episodes now of like just like queer stories and food right and yeah and, and it's magical and and i think so too and it's out there and and you know you can listen it, to it here you can read it in jari you know funny story before we get cut out to the break um way back when in college my best friend michael and i were obsessed with jerry springer and the you know jerry springer had all sorts of madness on the show as we all know and Jerry was great about, like, you know, Jerry was great about baiting people, right? That's why the show was so good. He would bait them, they'd give him what he wants, and then madness would ensue. <laughs> and he was, like, alluding that this guy was having some sort of homosexual affair. And <laughs> he goes, this man goes, Jari, Jari, you ain't going to come on national TV and call me gay, Jari. And so <laughs> we were obsessed <laughs> Obsessed that he kept calling Jerry Springer Jari, right? Even though your name comes from old, uh, old um, Polari. Polari. There we yeah. go. Right? Uh, care to explain what Polari is for the kids before we cut out to the break? Um, it is it's sort of a vernacular similar to like ball, yeah. you know, like the yeah. voguing, um, but employed mostly in the early 20th century, sort of Western Europe areas among, like, gay men. Yeah. So, like, to zhuzh your hair, that's a Polari word. Or bona drag, like Morrissey's bona drag, that's Polari. And in uh, in Polari, Jari, and I've actually been corrected by um, Simon... Oh, my God, what's his name? The sex... Or uh, Simon... Married Cowell? to Jonathan Adler? Simon Schuster? Simon. <laughs> I'm just naming Simons. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm having a real like mind fart right now, but um he is fluent in um in Polari and he said it's actually pronounced Jerry. So we <laughs> but oh. we were too far gone at that point. Anyway. And, and we've come full circle back to Jerry's yeah, Exactly. <laughs> so but anyway, so, it means food in Polari. Lovely, lovely. Listen, we are we are ladies of a certain age, we are men of a certain <laughs> age, and we must teach the children because we we will soon be the gay forefathers. <laughs> yeah. 
don't know if we aren't already. Oh, my God. This is such a great conversation. Any of listeners, I want to take a quick break for that to make three cents off this ad. And then we're going to come back with your favorite part of the pod. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. All right, folks. I'm going to take Lucas out to my favorite part and your favorite part of the podcast. A little something we like to call Food News Update. Food News. Food News. Honey, you ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. Jose Andres and World Central Kitchen are ready on the ground to help feed Ukraine. The chef and his nonprofit are posting video reports from relief efforts at the Ukrainian border and paying local chefs to cook meals inside the country as well. You know, I thought it was important. Um, you know, I'm trying to, uh, you know, give us all a break, but we need to support Chef Jose Andres. And actually, I was really happy reading this today, Lucas. I don't know if you've you've heard um, about yeah, this. I have. I bless him. I mean, what an actual saint! Um, yeah. I, and just logistically, how he does it, and he, the way he just shows up like instantly with this fleet of people, it's incredible. I, it, I, it really is. He's he's uh, I he's an outward hero. Of, um, I'm very outspoken about how much I. I really admire this man and what he does, what he's done for Puerto Rico, um, Louisiana, Texas, and now somehow he's on the board. He's on the ground. He, I know. There are is Instagram videos of him on the borders, like getting getting people food. Hmm. It also just speaks so much to what the. I mean, I hate to like be precious about this, but like how tactile uh, food and like, I can't even articulate it, but like the fact of like just needing to be fed and being able to feed somebody, it's so simple. And it's such a gesture that is like, you can really do a lot with that. There's like, there's so much need for it. There's, and it seems so simple and it seems like almost so like cheap, but it's, it's also, I, I, maybe you should edit this part out because I'm just no. rambling, but it's, it's quite profound what he's doing. It, it really is. And and to your point, uh, I, I'm sure maybe we all have seen uh, the clips of when the refugees are arriving in Poland. They're greeted with soup, I yeah. saw. Mm. Um, and I, I was thinking to myself, wow, soup, you know? I mean, you get on a plane, they, they, they can barely give you a cookie. But, like, the, yeah. the act of I making mean, a, a soup, you know, like think about like the comfort food, going back to people wanting comfort, the comfort of that. Like, you know, soup reminds you of home. Soup, yeah. soup reminds you of gathering. It's like soup is so communal. Like, it's like and that warming. Really, like, it's like it's a, a heat pad or something. It's just it's, healing. I can't, yeah, everything about it, it is. Yeah, completely. And the and, fact I, I can only imagine what one's needs would be in a situation like that. But. Yeah. Soup would probably go a long way to uh, helping you to be some kind of balm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, it's practical as well but to feed large amounts of people. But, um, you know, I just wanted to give some space to, to shout out Chef Jose Andres and World Central Kitchen. Um, you can obviously find them anywhere, right? Just Google. Just Google. Yeah. They do great things. And we are obviously here for this. Now on to something a little lighter. You can order customized Peeps for delivery this spring. Peeps are very controversial on this podcast. Lucas, I'm just going to let you know now. Oh, God. I'm trying to remember. Wait. Was, are Peeps the little, like, uh, marshmallow, chicky thingies? Yep. Okay. You can do personalized Peeps. Now, wait. I mean, we have to start with, are we are we for Peeps or against it's not my thing. I'm I'm, I'm not a marshmallow person. Oh, so, like you, so you are anti-peeps. I guess I'm anti-peeps, but I actually support this. I think it sounds like it would be fun for people <laughs> who like peeps. I love that you got you got to play both sides of the fence. Yeah, sorry. There's, I can see I need to be diplomatic in this situation. <laughs> Listen, we have had some peep arguments. We have had some candy corn arguments, some peeps arguments. Um, we've had some real heated you know, food debate on like controversial things like that people eat. Are are, are you a Cadbury egg lover? No. Oh, okay. So, Do we like candy at all? I love candy. I think you just you hit two candies that just don't do it for me. Like I it, now is chocolate my, candy. I know. I, I love chocolate. I love chocolate candy. I just don't the egg. Something about the like filling inside it kind of grosses me out. Um, but I, what my controversial candy, which is not going to sound nearly as controversial as these, I don't think. But a lot of people hate Twizzlers, and I actually really love Twizzlers. Who hates Twizzlers? Who well, said they, that? I think people think they taste like a Lego or something. It's like plastic. It's not like it doesn't give. But to me, it's just like such a satisfying this texture, is, and the flavor is just. I love Twizzlers. I love a Twizzler too. This is this is like um, you know hot news on Food News Update that people hate Twizzlers. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'll have to find some, I'll have to find some support you know, for that. Usually the debate is Twizzlers or Red Vines. That's okay, where the well, debate comes in. Twizzlers, you know, obviously. Obviously Twizzlers. Well, a shout out to Food and Wine for providing me or keeping me up to date, I should say, on all my food news, even though you're still not a sponsor, but it'll happen. Um, just Born Quality Confections, the, be- the Pennsylvania-based candy company behind Peeps, Hot Tamales, Mike and Ike's, has re- recently launched My Peeps, um, which... <laughs> That's clever. Uh, yeah, but like I feel like in gay slang that means something else sometimes. Oh, see that would, all right. <laughs> Didn't even think to go there. Yeah, well, you you're on a podcast called In Your Mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Put my peeps in your mouth. Hello. <laughs> what? I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Which allows customers to create their own peeps chicks to reflect their own flavor. Favorite flavor combos. That was really hard to say. Uh, Through my peeps, mallow lovers start by choosing the color of their peeps, blue, pink, or yellow, before deciding whether to have each chick dipped in dark milk or white chocolate. Delicious. Chocolate and marshmallows? Uh, The final and perhaps toughest decision is picking what to top the chocolate with. The options include chocolate chips, confetti sprinkles, crushed pretzels, yes, crushed cookies, nonpareil sprinkles, or toasted coconut. And then you could personalize uh, the peeps will be dunked, uh, dipped, dunked, boxed, and shipped straight to your door. But I think they're a little expensive. They're like $30 for 
two six-count boxes. Oh wow! For like twelve, twelve. I mean, they sound pretty luxe, though. I mean, they I, do for a special sound person, luxe. I would pay thirty dollars for personalized chocolate-dipped peeps. You know, if somebody wants to send me their peeps, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> Listen, I am single and love a good marshmallow. All right, a marshmallow innuendo. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Lucas is here for the peeps, but I certainly am. And that's okay because, you know what? We support everybody here on the <laughs> podcast. And last but not least, oh, my goodness. <laughs> that controversial everything bagel ice cream is making a comeback. How do you feel about off-flavor ice creams? I like them. I'm I'm a support of that. I love, like, miso incorporated into desserts. You um, know, did you watch... I think it was the last season of Bake Off. There was that um, woman who almost won. Sorry. Uh, It's been out for a while, so no spoilers. If you haven't watched it by now, it's your fault. Um, Who almost won, who had to add miso in everything. Oh, I didn't watch that. It was a great season. Yeah, I mean, it's just as like, it probably must be a similar thing to like what MSG does. Just that umami... um, that yeah. sweet sort of savoriness that it's so good in caramel. And I just had like a miso based ice cream the other night at dinner. It was so good. I've never, I've never it. had it. I, I was intrigued by when she first did it and then she did it again. And then I was like, all right, can, enough with the miso. We, we get it, girl. <laughs> we, <laughs> I mean, we I can see it. that too much would you, you know, you want to be delicate in your use of miso and desserts. Well, yeah, you know, it's just every challenge, you know, every challenge. I would I would be the one creating the drama on on Bake Off because there's no drama. As we know, there's no drama. I'd be like, how many times? Ta- give up the miso. <laughs> I think you need to try that, though. It's it's good. I'm I'm actually very curious, and if it cut, if I find it someplace, I certainly will give it a try. But today we're talking about Ohio-based creamery uh, Jenny's Splendid, and they're willing to take these king, kind of risks of adding crazy things to their ice cream. Uh, we've talked about the Kraft mac and cheese ice cream on this podcast before. We've talked about caramelized turkey and cranberry sauce ice cream, and the Taylor ham ice cream, and now they are bringing back their their Everything Bagel Ice Cream, which is a sweet cream cheese flavored ice cream with everything bagel seasoning. I can see that working. I can't. The ham, turkey, caramelized turkey thing, that, those ones sound a little too much for me personally, but the, I'm imagining like, you know, when you make like a CD brittle or something and you have, so there's like, you get like the savious. And What'd you call me? A CV brittle. <laughs> a CV brittle. But like, you take a peanut brittle, I'm going to use like everything seasoned, you know, the sesame seeds and all that stuff. I can see that working. I think that would be really good. Yeah, I'm curious about it. It sold out the last time they released it in record time in January 2021. And so now you have to get on a newsletter and, you know, pray pray to whomever you pray to and you know <laughs> do all the, you know put the crystals in the window i think to get your hands Hot on ticket. one of these yeah yeah on one of these items but a lot of these companies i find are putting out uh crazy i, I oscar meyer put out um uh a face mask with uh, a korean a very popular korean beauty brand and the face mask looked like a sheet of baloney oh my god <laughs> that's kind of funny <laughs> 
you know. So I guess I mean, just trying to get a reaction, right? Is that this, the internet has forced us to be like ever more extreme? Exactly, <laughs> just, absolutely. And I think, you know, I've had olive oil ice cream, olive oil black pepper ice cream, delicious. I love that. Yeah, yeah, it was very, very good. Right, and I didn't even go someplace fancy for it. In your mouth, listeners, you can afford it too. It was like in Provincetown at the gelato shop. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, I think we're here for it. I, if Jenny's wants to send you and me a uh, a pint, we will we will gladly oh, yeah. accept and, and come back and do and do a whole episode or something. And any know. other flavors, any of the other Jenny's flavors, those are those are just some special ice creams. I can tell. As long as they send some lactose digestives for me to go along with uh, them, I'll yeah. be a okay. And I think that's the perfect way to end. Okay. <laughs> Put that in your jarry magazine. <laughs> Maybe we should. Oh my goodness! Uh, so, I moving moving along here. I really loved um, just seeing the advertisement, if you will, for your next cookbook, Snacks for Dinner. Uh, I think it's a brilliant idea. I think it's the way I'm eating these days as well, um, in the sense of everything's a shareable moment, right? Yeah. Down to even a large burger. Like, let's just, let's just have a burger Snack course. On it. Yeah, yeah exactly. let's have a burger course. Let's have a, let's have, and then you get to try more things on the menu and whatnot. Um, t- tell me about this journey Tell us all about it. Yeah, well, it's, um, it's like, I'm still trying to figure out exactly, you know, I've finished writing the book and it's been sent to the printer, but I haven't figured out exactly how to talk about it yet. So this is going to be a workshop, maybe. Right. But uh, it came, I, um, I'm always trying to think of like ways to like make eating more vegetables easier. And what I found is that you kind of have to disrupt this like Western view of the plate where everything is sort of like anchored around a big piece of protein. And so lots of other cuisines do this, but like more little things equals more vegetables. And so generally um, that's been kind of like a way that my, my cooking has been going. And like, I read a cookbook called bowl that was like a similar approach, but you're just like taking little things and putting them over rice or adding them to broth or like creating like a, a, a bowl full of all these like wonderful complementary components and you can kind of mix and match and you can create different flavors and customize them based on dietary restrictions or whatever your preferences are. And so there's like this interchangeability thing that I always like. And I like thinking of a, like a snack as sort of like a building block of a plate. Um, and so that's always been kind of in the back of my mind. And then through the early part of the pandemic, I mean, I love to cook and I cook all the time, but even that was just like the three meals and the dishes. And it was just like so much cooking um, that dinner became just this strategy of like, let's just empty out the leftovers. You can't dirty any silverware. You can't dirty any other plates. This is like, we have to eat like from this stuff. (laughs) And so like, it was like literally like snacks for dinner. It was like the tub of hummus. And we had like, cut up vegetables and it was like a little bit of a salad out of a Tupperware or it was like a little bit of soup and it was it was all the snacks for dinner it was just actually very delicious and really fun and so um in my mind snacks for dinner had always been sort of this almost like depressing thing like eating out of the fridge you know or eating sort of passively or you know not not necessarily like eating in a 
in a, an intentional and fun and exciting way. It was more of just kind of like passive thing. And so I thought that maybe this would be an opportunity to try to like elevate it or, or at least like do it with intention. Um, and so in the book, we really, I, I really go into like how to like structure a meal like this. And as I was, you know, finishing off all the recipes, I found it to be such a wonderful way to throw a party. It just makes it a little bit more informal. Um, but also like adds all this variety and that's kind of like dazzling and exciting for everybody who's there. And it just, you feel so like special when you've got like, somebody's gone to the trouble of pulling all this food together and, um, yeah, absolutely. That, that's kind of the spirit of the book. Yeah, absolutely. And lest we forget the big uh, charcu- charcuterie board trend that we've just survived. Oh, yeah, survived. that's still going. That's still going, right? Or as the internet calls it, charcuterie. Charcuterie. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. Everybody to me, is, I always hear just like boards. <laughs> that's no, the shark coochie. <laughs> That's pretty <As> good. <laughs> the coochie of a shark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case y'all out there didn't get it. S H A R K. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like you really hit it on the head that in saying that we have to break away from this idea of the plate being centered around this big piece of protein and then everything else. Because more often than not, everybody I speak to in our busy lives, we're only getting busier. We're only getting more anxious. We're only getting more crazy things thrown at us to deal with. So we're not eating the same ways, right? Um, And, you know, if, if we are blessed in a way that we can eat like full full beautiful meals every night you know kudos to you i can't eat like that i it's just not part of the way my life works and so sometimes i am pulling things out of the fridge and it's like you know almond crackers and hummus and there's oh there's half an avocado in here and oh i i had some turkey chili left over i'm gonna have some of that or you know or maybe you snack or you had like a late lunch or early dinner and you're hungry later you end up snacking so it completely yeah. makes absolute sense that I feel like we're not realizing that we eat like that more often than not. And that's kind of how most of us grew up. Like as kids, we graze and snack and you eat when you're hungry. And it's like, and then as you get to be an adult, you sort of like this structure is imposed on you around like the oh, breakfast no, not, lunch not in, my, not in Mama Gladys's house. Oh, we you always down. did meals? Even we as were, a young kid? We were a clean plate club. We, oh, no, okay. there was... This was the food in the house. We can't afford anything else. You sat down and you finished what you had. <laughs> I guess I'm talking about being really young because that's how I ate as well. We always, yeah, yeah. you know, but um, I feel like there's something intrinsic in this idea of like eating, you know, gr- of grazing and small bites and not necessarily eating three big meals over the course of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think I think I portion it out to sometimes four because it's small it's all Mm -hmm. very small you know unless i know i'm going out to dinner or something then like the the gay body dysmorphia kicks in and and my (laughs) meals my meals change for the day (laughs) you know what i mean yes um oh my god amazing and i'm so excited to see it and congratulations to you on this book um it's all very very exciting and it i 
I wish it much success. What else is on the horizon? Tell the kids before we have to close out here. Gosh, there's not really. I mean, uh, cookbooks are major. Uh, in the, your mouth, the listeners. cookbook is the biggest news. Yeah, we 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 <laughs> talk about it all the time. So if you're just joining us, or if you ha- happen to miss one of these cookbook episodes, um, cookbooks are a major undertaking. Yeah, it's my ba- these are my babies. It's as I spend two years working on it, and then yeah, yeah. So that's the Every- biggest news on the horizon. Okay, lovely, lovely, lovely. Thank you well, for the opportunity to chat about it. Absolutely, you are. This is much your space as it is mine. Me podcast as Sue podcast. As I say to all my guests, you are welcome here. Um, let the kids know out there where to find you, how to find you, where to buy the magazine, all the things. Um, I think the best, my just my name is my, my website is lucasfolger.com. And then same thing with inst- Instagram is the social media that I do. And that's um, L-U-K-A-S, if yes. you want to. And that's V as in Victor, O-L-G-E-R. I will obviously, as always, uh, put it in the liner notes. But if you're listening and you kind of just wanted uh, and you're searching at the same time because, you know, we are all multitaskers these days. Um, that's how you spell it. And I will, yes, I'll, I'll put all the things out in the liner notes and um, help you, you know, share, share the book you know, through all the media as well when it drops as as oh, well, you know, thank to you. help you out. Yes, of course. You know, it takes a village and that's what we're here for, to lift each <laughs> other up, especially in these crazy times, you know? If yeah, we, I crazy. always say if we learned anything from the pandemic was that we need a little, you know, a little patience and grace and we need to rely on each other to like, you know, yeah. lift each other up. You know, yeah, definitely. It takes a, it takes a village for totally. sure. Well, thank you very much for coming on. It was so great to finally see you face to face after I all know. these years. I know it is. It is crazy that it hadn't happened until now. I mean, we've been chatting for so. I'm still gagged that we that we have this, been chatting for so long. I know. And this also is just like testament to this freaking city. How you can like basically like live next door to somebody and then have all these things in common and then never actually be face-to-face, you know? Yes, I absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'm so excited for what's to come for you, and this is obviously not the end of us. I can guarantee you that in your mouth, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> what else for today? I don't know. Go, uh, you know what? I'm just going to be on the soapbox of spreading joy through these crazy times. Go out there, and if you can afford it, do something nice, or you don't even have to spend any money. Go do something nice for somebody else, and hopefully they'll pay it forward, and it'll start... Um, a, a, a domino effect of beautiful things happening in this world because we need more beautiful things in our life to kind of combat everything else that is happening out there. And with that, all I have to say is that it's a blessing that you all download and listen to me every week. Without you all, I would be nothing. And, well, you know, besides fabulous. <laughs> and, uh, well, all I have to say, because now I'm rambling, is thank you for listening to In Yo Mouth. In Yo Mouth. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. 
If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.